All right. Hey, who was here last week? Uh, it was pretty packed, wasn't it? Tight and it's kind of cool. Uh, last week was my installation. Thank you, everyone, for being there. It was a great way to, to honor the transition and Mark and, and Tom and just what God's been doing through the history of Bridgewood up to now and what he's going to do. It was fun. I had a great time with everybody. That, I, there's something about getting that many people jam-packed into a room that just kind of elevates what God's already doing, doesn't it? I mean, the, the music was, la- was loud, but it was even louder, you know, and it was just like, it was hot. It was like, but we're going to worship Jesus, right? I mean, we've been so cold for so long. Being hot is kind of nice. Um, so anyway, so today we're going to be starting a new series. And if, if you look behind me, you're not going to see any props, um, any banners, anything like that. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But normally you would see something like that, wouldn't you? For a series, right? What? If you walk, you walk in here, you don't know we're starting a new series, and it's not for a lack of trying, but it's something that God has, has done over the past week that we're going to get into this morning. But we're in this series called Buy-In, and not about do you buy into what's happening here as far as the transition and newness and this and that. I'm not talking about that, but do you buy in with who Jesus is and what he has for your life and your life here? There's a difference there, Okay. Do you buy in with who he is? Um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm going to mess up this name because I'm going back to high school history here. Um, what's his name? Descartes that says, it Descartes that says, I think, therefore I am. Right? Is that him? Anybody smarter than me, which is probably everybody? Okay. Right, how many have heard that phrase? I think, therefore I am. Man, when I, I had to study that in college and my head almost exploded. Anybody? Like, you hear, that's so deep and profound. It's like Shakespeare should have said that or something, right? I think, therefore I am. And I remember walking away from hearing that, just going that this is just astounding how this blows my mind. But I realized that God says something even more profound and even more um, mind-boggling in Scripture. And he says it in a conversation with Moses. Moses says, God, what do I call you? What does he say? I am that I am. Does anyone know what that means? I've like rocked my brain. I have looked at the scriptures and I'm going, I am that I am. It is so confusing yet so clear. And I am just blown away by how big God is. But let me tell you what it tells us about God. I may not be able to put my mind around exactly what it means, but I can, I can say or tell you what it tells us about him, and it's this. He's uncreated, and he has no beginning and no end. He's so big, he's so vast, that he can even say who he is in the simplest language, and we can't even comprehend it, right? I mean, I am that I am is not very complex sentence, is it? I am that I am. We should understand that. I don't get it. But if he's that big and he's that great... What should our lives all be about? Him, right? Him. That's it. We, we, him. If he's that big and he's that great and he would send his one and only son for us because he loves us, that should say our life should be about him. But isn't it interesting that we compartmentalize him? Don't we? As Christians, I mean, I, I, I say I follow Jesus, but there are certain things that I'm not going to do. 
Anyone go like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'll follow you over there. I'm not following you over there because I don't like that person. They drive me nuts. Right? Anyone got people like that in your life? Guess what? We're all that person to someone too, just to let you know. Right? And so we we, we kind of say what we will do for Jesus and where we will follow him and then where we won't. It's, it's very fascinating to me how we think that we can take the God of the universe that says, my name is I am that I am, and just have certain segmented times during our week for him. Right? Oftentimes it's Sunday. It's maybe youth group for those who are teens. It may be uh, Bible study time. It may be small group time. But it's hard, it's challenging for us to follow Jesus in every avenue of our life every day. We compartmentalize it because it's easier for us. And even that's kind of hard, right? I mean, we come in on Sunday, we're like, I'm going to be focused in this moment on the great I am. Ooh. I'm going to be focused in my small group on the great I am. I'm going to be focused in this and the great I am. But what about all that empty space? Now, some of you are good at it. Some of you can yield to Jesus every moment and every day. Come see me because I want to know how to do it. It's really hard. Right? It's challenging. So <clears throat> I was thinking about this, and a clip came to mind. Mark and I were talking, and he thought of this clip that I want to show you. Any Bill Murray fans? Anyone like Bill Murray? Okay, before we play the clip, I just want to say, it's a clip from Space Jam, okay? And we see a guy who is just energetic, ready to go, he's bought in, or at least he says he is, and then he's, he's told to do something and watch his response. Go ahead and roll the clip. Hey! Perhaps I could be of some assistance. That's how I feel, guy. Now you get to live up your dream. Let's go. All right. All right, you need to score two Here's points. Here's how I see it. Duck. Yes. You kick it into the girl bunny. Yeah. Down in the post. You dish it back out to the guy bunny. Got you it. swing it around the mic over here. You go to the hole <coughs> and dominate. You own defense. Oh, yeah. Whoa. I don't play defense. All right, you're going to have to listen to Mike on this, guys. Okay. Listen up. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that true? I'm going to follow Jesus. Well, I want you to go there. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't do that. Let me tell you, I, um, uh, I did my first funeral a few weeks ago, and I've, I've never done one before. And when I, was, when, I felt the, when I answered the call to ministry, I said, Lord, okay, I'll follow you into ministry, but I'm not going to do weddings, and I'm not going to do funerals. I've done more than my fair share of weddings, and I've done my first funeral. So, <laughs> the la- you know, God's got the last laugh on that one, right? But when we follow Jesus, when we say we're going to follow Jesus, he's going to take us into places that feel really uncomfortable. I didn't, I didn't want to do any of those things. I'm going to follow you, God, but not there. Now, we don't have that option. And we're going to see in just a second. We don't have that option. Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. So does everyone have their Bible or phone that has a Bible on it or iPad whatever electronic device you used for your Bible, if you get those out right now, we are, if we're people of God, but we're people of the Word. So we want to make sure from here on out that we always bring our Bibles, whether it be the real deal, whether it be uh, through your phone, whether you have access to the originals, you know, whatever. 
bring them. Is that fair? We want to get used to being in the Word more and more daily. It is manna. So if you would turn to Matthew 16, and we're going to start at verse 24. Matthew 16. I'll give you a second here. We're going to read this passage, and then we're going to break it down a little bit, and then we're going to talk about it. Starting verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Now, that's a big passage. It's a big verse right there. Do you understand how big that is? That is as clear as you get on what we are supposed to be doing. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Now, let's look at the context of this passage real quick. Jesus is talking to his disciples. We had a moment where Jesus said to his disciples, Who do you say I am? And Peter, you're the Christ. Right? Got the A-plus answer. You're the Messiah, man. And Jesus is like, more or less, he says, You're right. And that wasn't revealed to you by man. What a, you are blessed. That's amazing. That's great. Now, I didn't get a lot of A's in school, but when I got one, I was like, whew. right? Who, who, who relishes the A plus, right? You're like, oh. And you know what? And the ones that love it the most are the ones that never get them. We don't even know what to do with an A plus. I didn't even know what to do with a B when I was in high school. I remember in elementary school, my, I got a C average, and my dad took me to Catalina for celebration, Right? <laughs> For a weekend. And A plus, Peter is riding high. He's excited. He's identifying him as the Messiah, and the Messiah says back, Man, you are blessed. Whew. Right? That's good stuff. But then Jesus starts discussing with them about what's going to happen to him. He's going to have to die on the cross. And Peter goes, No way. That is not happening on my watch. Right? Wouldn't we say that? Right? We're protective of the people we love. And if, if, if someone you know, I love is saying, hey, I'm going to go die, no, you're not. Not as long as I have breath. And what does Jesus say to Peter, those of you that know this? What does he say? He rebukes him. He rebukes him. But what does he say? Get behind me, Satan. Ouch. Man. How do you take that? You go from A plus to flunked out. Right? I mean, that's tough. So Jesus says, let's read the words from the man himself. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Ouch. Now, I believe that Peter's response came from a good place. This is what we would all say. We would all be like, no, I'm going to do everything I can to protect you. But what he was doing was based off sometimes protecting. It's not just protecting them, but it's self-preservation in a way, right? Because we have to experience that pain of losing someone. Almost all of us have lost someone, and it hurts. In all seriousness, it's painful. No one wants to go through that, and no one wants to see their loved ones hurt. So Peter, these are good intentions. But they come from an earthly desire that is interrupting, that is, that is becoming a stumbling block 
for Jesus' destiny to die for us and raise again and conquer sin so that we can step into his presence fully and only want him. Does that make sense? And so, this is why he says right after, he says, if anyone would come after me, this is what you got to do. If you really want to be mine, if you really want to be with me, you've got to do this. And he says this in Matthew 10. And then in Matthew 22, we hear this. The greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, your soul, your mind, everything. Right? Everything. Not when you feel like it. Oh, no, I don't play defense. It's all the time. And then love your neighbor as yourself. A close second. Well, when we look in um, Mark 10, we have the story of the rich young rulers. Many of you know this. Some of you don't. And here comes this man who's followed the, the law his whole life, and he says to Jesus, how do I get eternal life? How do I inherit that? And Jesus asks him. He says, have you loved the Lord your God with all your heart and mind, strength? Have you loved your neighbor yourself? Yes, I've done all these things. And he says, well, one thing you lack Get rid of everything that you think you need and you think you want. Sell it, give it to the poor, and then come what? Follow me. Come follow me. So he's saying, basically, deny yourself. And that word deny, on its own, is a pretty potent word, isn't it? Like, I mean, those of you that experience rejection when someone denies you, that's not really fun, is it? Okay. So you hear that word deny, but when you look in the Greek, it literally means this, strongly rejecting, which is even stronger than deny, right? Strongly rejecting. So Jesus is telling you, strongly reject those things that would bind you. Now, we, we, this puts us in conflict with other scripture that we hear. Well, Jesus says, when you focus on me, I will grant you the desires of your heart. But yet we're told here to deny those things. So the question is, are, those the same, are we talking about the same kind of desire? No, we're not. Have you ever had a desire you didn't know you had until you saw it? Yeah. Right? Man, I didn't know I wanted a toaster for a car. If you've seen my car, it's a little, it's a little Toyota XB kind of thing. I didn't know I wanted it until I saw it. I like, oh, didn't know I wanted that car. But I saw it, and I was like, woo, 104 horsepower. Can't go wrong with that, right? I didn't know how much I wanted to marry my wife until I saw her walk down the aisle. And then it was amplified to beyond words I could comprehend. I hope I'm getting points, honey. <laughs> right? So we see that God unleashes desires in us that are good, pure desires that we don't know we have sometimes. So we see that God is speaking of something deeper, of something greater. What we're talking about here is deny those things that would separate you from God, that would put you out of alignment with what he wants for you. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference? Okay. So the rich young ruler had this opportunity. And this is one of the saddest passages to me in Scripture, because here he's standing in front of the king, and is identifying him as such. And he walks away because what, what Jesus asked him to do was almost too much for him. And he walks away with his head down, rejecting. But you know what? 
In that passage, it's one of, I think, one or two places in the entirety of Scripture where Jesus is to say he looked at, he looked at the man and loved him. And he knew what the man was going to do. He knew his heart. And he still loved them. You know what that does, says to us? That there's always hope. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what you're going to do, he still loves you. He still loves me. That doesn't change. But now, the choice is up to us to say, I am going to follow him. That's what he wants. He wants us to follow him. And when we hear, pick up your cross, how many of you have heard that? And you're like, that sounds horrible. Anybody? I mean, this, the cross was, was a way that Romans and the Greeks, they, they took it from the Phoenicians and um, they started using this as punishment. And if any of you have seen the Passion of the Christ, you've seen a taste of what it looks like, you know, acted out. And it's horrible, right? And when Jesus says, deny yourself, okay, so all the desires I have, I've got to get rid of that, and then pick up my cross, I know what they do to people on those things. Why, why, why do I want to pick up one? Why do you want to see one? Be around one. What it represents sounds horrible. Who thinks that sounds horrible? <laughs> pick up your cross. Well, scholars would say, most scholars agree, that it's a sign of commitment to Christ, right? You're picking up what it means to live in Him. Persecution, condemnation, all of those things from the outside world, that happens, doesn't it? We don't feel it as much here in America, but there are people that all around the world right now are being either put to death or punished, for bearing the name of Jesus. That's part of the cross. But guess what else is part of the cross? The love of God, the joy of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, his sense of humor. We've all been product of that, right? All the things that are good come with that cross because many of us wear a cross around our neck. Why? Many of us have it on our car. Why? What does it represent to us? Our love for him, his love for us. What else? He's risen, right? Let's just say this. It represents life. It represents life. So though, culturally, contextually speaking, it has a symbolic uh, uh, look of, of death, but it actually means life for us as well as the persecution. The commitment comes with following Jesus. So we deny ourselves, we pick up everything that comes with Jesus, and we go after him. We go after him. You know, the last few weeks have been a frenzy for me because, you know, when you step into something like this, you start thinking about all the ideas you have. And I'm being honest with you here. Okay? I'm going to be vulnerable with you here. My process is like, oh, I've got these ideas. Not that anything was wrong, but way, ways we can continue to step into Jesus, enhance what's doing here, what we're doing here. How do we get unified in areas that we're not? You know, all these things that come with this position. And you think about them. And I was going nuts thinking about them. And I'm not a big, you know, structure guy. But here I was just seeing things like bam, 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 bam. It was like a miracle. <laughs> Has anyone ever had that moment? You know, creative stuff's just flooding your mind and your heart, and 
And I was getting lost in all of the planning preparation. We had this series planned out. We were ready to go months ago with this stuff. We were excited. We knew what we were going to preach on today. We had promotional material ready to go. And guess what? It didn't get here. Now think about what we're talking about today. Deny everything. Pick up your cross and follow me. Here I'm going, oh man, all our plans are going down the drain. Because usually when you do this in church, you see these banners of this and this and all, all of that stuff. And that's nice. And it, and it, it helps give visuals. And, there's, and I'm, I'm not trying to diminish that. But someone, I, we had a week of prayer and fasting a couple weeks ago. And someone said to me, could pick up that I was getting lost in these things. And said to me, Brendan, the Lord is telling me something and I, I want to share it with you. Is that okay? I said, yes. And this person said, you know, I think you're supposed to posture yourself like Mary and not Martha. And if you know this story, Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's house and Martha is frantic in the kitchen and prep, preparing for the king of the universe in her home and Mary, her sister, is not helping her. Not helping her. Now she's upset. Wouldn't she be upset? Where's Mary? She's with Jesus and the disciples at his feet. And then Martha says to Jesus, Lord, have her help me. And Jesus says, leave her alone. She has chosen what is best. That hit me. That was a word at the right time. Praise God for the body, right? That speaks those things to us when we need to hear them. And then I hear all of these things go wrong. I hear, you know, our internet went down, and not because of our stuff, just because of other things. And then uh, Mark gets really sick. And other people we know are getting sick. All this stuff, the enemy trying to move in on what Jesus wants to do here in us and through us. Guess what? We don't need banners. We don't need all of this stuff to do what Jesus has called us to do. We try to put our best foot forward, but guess what our best foot forward is? The one that goes right after Jesus. That's your best foot forward. We're like, Lord, let's put our best foot forward. Let's get things ready to go. And these are great things. They're fun things. They're creative things. But if our first step isn't the one after him, then who cares? Who cares? So God's word for us today is deny those things that would be a stumbling block from following me, pick up my destiny for your life, and follow me. That's what he's asking us to do here. Follow him, no matter the cost. He doesn't, I, I don't ever want to say again, and I probably will, and, I, and I, I rebuke that in Jesus' name, but I don't ever want to say, no, God, I don't do that. How many times have we done that? As individuals, as a church, this or that, we do that with everything. We do that with money. We do that with relationships. We do that with work. We do that with, with ministry. For some reason, there's this fear that just eats at us. And I'm tired of it. Is anyone tired of that? I'm tired of th- I'll be honest. I'm tired of thinking about money. I'm sick of it. I want God to have full access to my bank account. I want him to have full access to my relationships. I want him to have full access to my quote-unquote pride. I want him to have full access. But if I don't deny myself, if I don't lay those things at the feet of Jesus 
and pick up the call of my life and go after him, nothing's going to change. You know, one of the, the most uh, profound images for me actually came from the original cartoon of The Grinch That Stole Christmas. And at the very end, the Grinch has stolen everything from them. And he's sitting on the mountaintop, right? Waiting to hear the groans and the cries. And this is, I think it's profound. It's a kid's thing, but there's truth to this. This preaches. And he hears singing. And he looks down and hear the people of Whoville holding hands. And I call it worship. Call it what you will. In my context, we would be worshiping, right? So you can take all this stuff away. But at the end of the day, are we still together, united in the name of Jesus, worshiping his name? That's what he cares about. He doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you, every piece of it, the good and the bad. Because he takes us, he takes us through the process of repentance and salvation and cleans us. So shame can no longer be the excuse. It takes time to work through shame, but we can't let it stop us from engaging wholeness in Jesus. We cannot let our fear stop us. We have to keep moving forward. You know, it's funny because you're told when you have a kid, you're told, man, this is going to teach you about, gives you insight to God, Father's heart. Does it, parents? Yeah. Whew. Right? I'm going to say it for you. It does. If it doesn't for you, you're not paying attention because it really does. And so yesterday, I'm, um, Shannon was out of town, on, so I'm watching Gracie for the first time. She's 18 months for the first time for the weekend. You know, and there's a little anxiety there, right? Because when she cries, I go, Shan, you know, can't do that now. Well, we have two dogs, and we corner them off. We got this little gate, and Gracie loves to get into their dog food. Loves it. She absolutely loves it. And then she loves to just splash around in the water, or the water bowl, and then when it hits the ground, she'll lick it. I've seen her do that. We try, we try to minimize that. But she's sneaky, you know, she's at the age now where she knows if she, when she's not supposed to do something, and she knows what will irritate dad, and she likes to irritate me a lot. And so I have to be on my guard. I have to be on my guard. And so I take the gate up, I put it on the side, Gracie's way over there, I'm trying to let the dogs out, and so I got distracted for a moment, for a moment, and walked away just for a moment, because I thought Gracie's contained. She's entertained with her little Milo Pony stuff, you know. She's there. All of a sudden I hear, wah, like a war cry. She's charging the battlefield. And here she goes, right to the dog food. And I go, Gracie, no! Stay over here, follow me. Follow my example. Do what I say, not what I do, right? No. Do what I do. I don't eat dog food. You can mimic that, right? And she goes and she does this. This fool just, just, just bends down and she grabs a handful. And there's this moment, and it's like, it's, it feels like it lasts a year, the stare down. Parents, do you know what I'm talking about? They know. They know this is wrong. And they're contemplating the outcome. And they don't care. Right? I'm like, Gracie, don't do it. Don't. I'm like pleading with her. Like I'm trying to get hostages out of a building. And I say, stop. Don't do it. 
I'll give you whatever you want. Don't eat it. And then she'll go like this. Like that. No joke. Like that. I'm like, Gracie. Not, then I try to be like, Dad, put the dad. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then she goes, oh. No! You run over, you're digging out, and then now she's got new molars. So I was like, I don't know, you know. But it gives you insight. And even though she disobeyed me, even though it irritated me, I looked at her and I loved her so much. I hope that gives you insight to God's heart. It doesn't matter where you've been and where you are. God wants your heart. And he wants you to go after him. He wants you to follow him and trust him. I heard this phrase uh, this week and I loved it. We have to have a ruthless trust. It's a little violent sounding, but I like it. Right? Ruthless trust. That God is going to do things that we cannot comprehend and use you and use me. We have to trust him in our relationships. We have to trust him with our past that he's going to bring healing. We have to trust him with our finances. I mean, some of us have a hard time giving to the Lord. Some of you don't, but some of you do. And it's natural to feel that way. There's a fear there, right? There is. There's a fear. But he, he needs all of us. He wants all of us. All of who we are. So it's my hope and my prayer that, that this is the kind of body we continue to become. When people say, you know, when you step into Bridgewood, what do you get? A people that follow Jesus. That's what I would love to hear. The people that get equipped and they go. Equipped and they go. Equipped and they go. In the name of Jesus. Does this make sense? Are you in agreement? I mean, do you buy in with what he wants for us as a congregation and what he wants for you? That's the question. Do we buy in with this? I do, because he's humbling me all the way. I mean, I've learned more from my 18-month girl than I have than most people in my life. It's just amazing how God will speak, isn't it? And he's speaking it loud and clear. Not having the banners up, not having... That was the best thing for us this morning. Because if we're going to talk about this passage and say, deny yourself, then we we have to approach him that we're not lacking with him. We don't need to pretty him up. We just need to follow him. And as we continue in this series and break down what, he, what he's doing and present what he's doing here at Bridgewood and what I think he wants to do, we have to understand that we need to constantly lay ourselves before him and follow him. If we don't have that understanding, we're sunk in the water. Aren't we? Because then we're just being like cultural church. I don't want to be like cultural church. Do you want to be like cultural church? It doesn't speak life. Jesus speaks life. And he says, you want life eternally. You want life all the time. You come after me. Then you will have it. Then you will have it. So remember, you want to put your best foot forward. Make sure it's the one that's following Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you um, for all that you are. We thank you for all that you're doing in this place. All the things that you've done, 
you're doing and you're going to do, we worship you and give you thanks. Or we want to listen to you. We want to be still and know that you are God. I thank you for how you speak to us through our children and that relationship and how, how much information and wisdom that gives us about your heart and how you see us. And so, Lord, we give you Bridgewood. We give you the future of Bridgewood. It's yours. We want to be obedient to you. We want to do uh, our best listening. We want to make the right choices that reflect who you are. We want to truly pick up our cross and follow you. So, Lord, I just pray that right now that if there's anyone that is just kind of on the fence with that, that you would speak to their heart right now in Jesus' name, that you would speak life into them, that you would comfort them, be their peace. And I pray that as we enter this time of offering our tithes and our offering, when we look at that offering plate, we would no longer be scared for those of us that are. But we would have ruthless trust that you are a God of improbable provision, that you are a God that never leaves us, that never forsakes us. And Lord, if it's relationships that we're terrified of, may we follow you into them instead of retreat from them. And if it's the work environment, if it's ministry in general, Lord, I pray that you would take us to a place that when you call, we say yes. When you call, we say yes. When you call, we say yes. So we just thank you, Lord. I pray that in this time that we have left together to worship, we would rock out, that we would no longer be conscious of the people around us as far as what are they going to think if I rock out. Lord, you're deserving of all honor and praise, and we want to give that to you in an authentic way. Uh, Whether it's sitting still, raising our hands, shouting for joy, may it be authentic, may it be genuine and honorable and glorifying your name. May it be pleasing to you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.